Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Bellerín, qué golazo. Magnífico. Gol. ¡Qué golazo de Bellerín! Gol del Arsenal. Gran gol de Bellerín 1-0. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra as always with James from Gunner Blog. Good morning. Good morning. This Arscast Extra brought to you today in association with Audible.com. You can get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook download. And we'll give you details of how to do that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, you're back from your from your holidays. How was it? It was great. I was actually on a stag do um, of a very, very good friend of mine. So it was quite intense at times. Mm-hmm. I, I was in Mallorca. Right. In Parma, which is... Bunch very- of lads in Parma, Mallorca. Yeah, and on one one evening we did go to Magaluf, which was genuinely terrifying. (laughs) Uh, It was like being in a zombie film, very briefly. An apocalyptic scene unfolded in front of my eyes. Right. But um, aside from a slightly sort of sore throat and non-functioning voice, which is ideal for a podcast. Absolutely. I'm absolutely fine. How about yourself? I am am also fine. Also fine. Those uh, post-holiday blues have gone now. I'm, you know, straight back into the, into the middle of stuff. And uh, I guess you picked up the, uh, the cold and what have you on the plane. That's mm. my thinking. I probably had nothing to do with late nights and being out till, till all hours. But but everything to do with being on a, on a dirty, dirty plane. Exactly. I'm going to sue EasyJet. That's the only possible outcome here. Mm. Yeah. It's the and the only sensible one as well. Well. Financially, certainly. Yeah. i tell you what, I watched the Copper America final penalty shootout. Oh, yeah? Outside a bar in Magaluf on Saturday night. So, yeah, that was that was sort of my only real contact with football for about four or five days. But I did, <laughs> I, I did see what happened there, at least. What a penalty from Alexis to win it. Cool. Yeah, it was a good penalty. I, I've got a question about this. I was telling one of the other guys on the trip about it, and he said he'd read that it was a, a scuff, that it was an unintentional penalty kick. But I've only ever seen one view of it. Is there any mileage in that story? Uh, I've got no idea. I mean, I haven't seen anybody suggest that or, or talk about that. I, I guess it was one of those penenkas, kind of. Mm. Uh, that kind of style, if not necessarily the the deft chip down the middle, that would be the uh, the archetypal penenka penalty. But uh, to my mind, it, it didn't look as if it was undeliberate. You know, I think no. that's that's pretty much exactly what he meant to do. He banked on the goalkeeper going one way and just kind of very calmly, very assuredly clipped it into the goal quite softly. And I think that takes enormous balls when you're taking a penalty to win the Copa America for your country for the first time. You know, I guess the easiest, not the easiest, but the the most certain way you have of scoring a penalty is to hit it low and hard into the corner and even if the keeper goes the right way, he's going to struggle to get there. If what's, the keeper had gone the, if the keeper had gone that way, he would have looked like a right chump. I know. Imagine if that had been how they'd blown it. Mm. it. It is pretty extraordinary. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes they wait, don't they, to see if the goalkeeper gives an indication where he's going to move. I think that's that's part of the game. But yeah. I I would just be putting my foot through it in those circumstances. But then I'm not a professional footballer. This is very true. This mm. is very true. I like the way that Alexis practically had his shirt off before the ball had even hit the net as well. He was well, off I mean, celebrating and, you know. It comes off quickly, yeah. He, <laughs> could have been, he could have been an extra in Magic Mike XXL, I think, Alexis. You know, a career as a stripper is not too far away for him. Is that, my, is that Magic Mike 
20L or is the double XL to do with the size of something in the film? I believe it's only the second film, so 20L. I think that's a long way away. Right. The series, the franchise. Okay, so this I'll is not, with it's not Roman numerals. I, I, I don't believe so. I'll be honest with you. It's not a film I've seen, but um, perhaps I will. I'm sure it's excellent. Do you think? I don't know, really. I mean, I, I, I saw similar things unfold in Magaluf. <laughs> but would uh, you would you spend two hours in the cinema watching them? I mean, probably not. Possibly not. I think, I'll tell you why. The other people's popcorn would annoy me. I'd rather have it in, in the privacy of my own home. Um, what else is happening in the football? You have to talk to me as if I'm an alien. Right. You know, lived here his entire life, but then been away for four days. We uh, have signed Petr Cech. Yes. Oh, no, we did I, that last week, I know. I knew that. I knew that much. What else has happened? Okay, let me go back over the uh, the, the archives of, of Arsblog and Arsblog News. I, I, that should give me an idea, because I, I've kind of forgotten. You know, this is this is off-season. I broke my rule of not watching any football uh, at the weekend by by watching the Copa America uh, penalties and quarter um, uh extra time in the penalty shootout, which I then decided in my drunken state to commentate on... Um, well, live, on live the on the internet. It was quite good fun, actually. It was quite good fun. Um, but uh, what's happened? Okay, the big, big story since you've been gone is that Ainsley Maitland Niles has joined Ipswich on loan for the season. Are we going to be all right? Do I don't. Think, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think this could be pretty much the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of the, just the sheer lack of ambition that this club shows. Yeah, well, I can't blame Ainsley. Get out while you can. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, I tell you what, somebody has left, haven't they? And it's Lucas Podolski. He's gone. He's gone, 100%. Gone to Galatasaray. And maybe I missed it. Maybe I missed it. But I don't know that I saw a, like, a goodbye Arsenal fans thing on his Twitter or, or his social media. I must check that out now. Cause it you does would, seem unlike him. It does seem unlike him. Uh, I've got Instagram and I've got his Twitter and I'm opening them up here and he's all the all the stuff about I'm a lion I'm a lion now yes I'm a lion loads of pictures of him in his Galatasaray shirt picture of him in his Galatasaray shirt uh, having a shot of whiskey of some kind uh, picture of him going down a water slide picture of him banging a gigantic tire a picture of him kissing Rihanna with the World Cup a collage of him doing something. But there hasn't been, as far as I can see, a goodbye Arsenal fans post. After all we've been through together. After everything. There's the congrats to my Chilean bro, uh, Alexis, for winning the Copa America. There's one of those. But there is no thanks for everything, Arsenal fans. It's been a blast. Yeah, that's he a bit weird, men- isn't and it? He hasn't, he hasn't mentioned either you or me by name. No, neither. Of, do, do you think he's cross with us? Perhaps, perhaps. How do you... Uh, <laughs> he's a lion now. He's a lion least. now, yeah. Hashtag Aslan, I can see on one of his posts. Really? Um, yeah, genuinely. <laughs> Today I became a lion. Hashtag Poldy, hashtag Galatasaray, hashtag Aslan. I don't know if that has some relevance beyond the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, but there you go. But maybe that's the only lion's name he could think of. Yeah. Like, are there any other famous lions? Well, Simba. Hashtag Simba. Hashtag Mufasa. Mm. Come on, Lucas, you've missed a trick there. Exactly. Um, What did we get for him? Not a lot of money. I think we got um, some plants. Yeah. Yeah. And... A bit of money. I'm not sure what currency it's in, though. Okay. Is it like old coins from various holidays? Yeah. Yeah, like one of those uh, big things they have in airports. Put in your money here. It doesn't matter what currency it is. Just put it all in there. So you've got, like, drachmas and lira and, I don't know, krona of all kinds and old Irish punts and everything. There's all kinds Irish of stuff punts. in this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I did say punts. Um and and that that's why I think it comes in at around four million euros, something like that. Okay, it's so, something. Yeah, 
Although somebody did say, send me something on Twitter, and there's no way I can find it now because of uh, my Twitter is just swamped with people uh, with questions for the podcast. But uh, they suggested that there w- it was maybe higher than was being reported, that for every season he's there, we get an extra something million pounds or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, I don't, I don't know what we really expected to get for him, given his, um, given his contractual situation, only 12 months left to go. The yeah, fact that he wasn't really being used. Exactly, and his age. I think the main thing, I mean, it's it's not the most exciting thing as a fan, but 100 grand off the wage bill, you know, creates space for another for other players, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, well, I guess it does. I mean, or that could be distributed uh, throughout, the, uh, throughout the squad. Theo Walcott might want a chunk of that to sign a new deal, mightn't he? Yeah. Some of it may already have gone Petr Cech's direction. I imagine he'll be on more than either of our existing keepers. But I'm not, I mean, I, I'm not sad to see Podolsky go with it. I felt like he was gone anyway in January. Do you know what I mean? I've yeah. made my peace with it now. Yeah. Not that there was much peace to make. No. It was not really the end of the world. Um, a likeable sort of a guy uh, with a cracking left foot. Brilliant uh, at striking the ball from distance. Scored some good goals for us. But generally just never quite fit the way anybody expected him to, you know? I don't think he did, did what the manager thought he could do or was going to do, you know? I think he sort of half saw him as a striker, realized he wasn't a striker, figured out in the end his best position was playing off a main striker, but that didn't fit into the system that we play. Mm. Not really a wide man, not much of a, a worker. You no, know? you can say that again for definite. Mm. I, yeah, I... I it, the more you look at it, the more it's quite a strange signing, I think. I like, it It made some sense at the time. We lost Robin Van Persie. This was a guy who had 100 caps for Germany. Great left foot, like Van Persie. But in terms of actually how we would accommodate him into our team, mm. it didn't really make too much sense, did it? Yeah, no, not really. And, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe he was just a bit of insurance. Um, I, I kind of think that was the case, yeah. you know, in, Giroud actually made more sense, didn't he, as a signing? He was someone who could act as that pivot figure. Podolsky, it felt like... It almost felt like we were bringing in a name player who could help atone for Van Persie's absence, but without necessarily any idea of how exactly that might work. Mm, speaking of Van Persie, um, yes, the story yeah. is that he could be on his way to Fenerbahce. That's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, Turkey is where everyone's off to these days. I don't. I mean, I've got no sympathy for him. Obviously, if United bomb him out, mm. I think they'll be keen to get shot of him. To be honest, he barely made a contribution last season. Yeah, very surreal thing, isn't it? You know, he had one amazing year there, won the title, um, and it was obviously fairly agonising to watch. But since then, he's slightly fallen off a cliff. Not not literally fallen off a cliff, unfortunately. But mm. in terms of his performances never looked the same mm, I did say maybe I said this on, on the podcast before but I was told from a very good source that uh, when Arsene Wenger sanctioned the deal he did so uh, obviously uh, to some extent reluctantly but also he said at the time privately to someone that he f- he figured Van Persie had like 18 months left at the very top level and that was it that was really? it yeah and I think that's proved to be pretty accurate right very astute, yeah. Mm. Very astute. I mean, that's partly an age thing. You know, when he left, he seemed younger than he was because he'd missed so much football, I think. The Thomas Rosicki effect. Yeah, yeah. But there you go. But there you go. And he's, you know, Thomas Rosicki obviously is not a, a massive, massive cunt. That's the well, thing. Well, that, that is another little disparity between the two. Mm. Well, what, is there anything else? The uh, the other news, which is sort of breaking this morning, is that Mikel Arteta has apparently reportedly, allegedly signed a new one-year deal. Yes, well, I mean, we've heard these reports before, haven't we? Mm. But this time it seems to feel a little bit more concrete, I guess because it either has to happen or not right now. Well, the thing is, he's at the club right now, he's training... And if he hadn't signed a new deal, his contract expired on June the 30th. Yes. So the fact that he's there tells you pretty much what you need to know. 
Like his exactly. name wasn't on that list with Diaby and Miaichi and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think there was ever really any intention for him to leave. Um, and uh, I don't think it's a surprise at all that he's staying. No. Do you, well, I don't think it's a surprise. No, I think he was always going to stay. However, I, I do wonder if the fact that he's staying... I don't know. It's interesting timing, isn't it? Especially with these reports of, you know, Manchester United's interest in Morgan Schneiderlin. Mm. It does make you wonder if, you know, would you give a guy a new deal if if you weren't, if you didn't have a use for him? Like, it makes me feel like maybe he is the, the backup defensive midfielder and he's going to play that role yeah. next season. That That's my suspicion. And I think, on one hand, like, you know, the manager knows the player better than we do in terms of uh, his physical uh, situation. And obviously injuries affected him badly last season. Mm. Uh, but if he feels like he can make a contribution this season uh, in, a, in a good way, in a positive way, then I think he's he's happy to keep him. But what we saw, as I mentioned on the blog, as we saw with the, with the goalkeeping situation, that he's brought in Petr Cech ahead of Wojciech Szczesny, ahead of uh, David Ospina. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he could still bring in somebody in that defensive midfield position. I think the issue that he's got is that Coquelin has done so well, it's completely changed his thinking on, on what needs to be done. You know? Yeah, for sure. Like, what, what what do you do when someone comes in like Coquelin and, and performs the way he performed and played the way he plays? You know, what what does that do to his career if by doing that, your next step as a manager is to go out and spend £25 million on Morgan Schneider. And what does that say to Coquelin about his future or, or the way he's perceived at the club? I think it's a really difficult, delicate situation. And I do feel like we probably need uh, another signing in there to be really, really, truly competitive. But, you know, it's it's a very it's a very tricky one that if he if Coquelin, for example, continues to make progress and develops uh, the way that he did in the in the last six months of, of last season, then, you know, we've got a hell of a player on our hands. So do you put somebody in front of him for that? So it's, I think it's a really tough one. It is very tough. It's it not. It's tough. definitely not as easy as we must have a, another player to 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 provide cover and what have you for Coquelin. Like if we'd gone out and spent twenty million pounds on Coquelin in January, would people be asking for a for a big money signing in that position now, or would they feel like we fulfilled uh, the 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 need um, to to address the situation there? No, I think you're absolutely right, and I'm very happy with having Coquelin's first choice. I suppose the only question is are the replacements that we have in the squad, Arteta and, to a lesser extent, Matthew Flemini, mm. capable of covering when required? You know, mm. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea that we'd have to go and spend 20, 30 million pounds sure, on sure. an upgrade. I just, I, obviously, I, I worry that the the players who we have who are providing the cover are actually quite different in style and, and approach and physicality. And yeah. there's there's a concern there, I think, maybe. yeah. But I mean, what what's the better thing to do? Spend five or six million pounds on an average player who might play every so often just to provide cover, or do you trust in, you know, a guy like Arteta who's been a very consistent performer for the most part last season, obviously affected by injury, uh, taking into account, of course, that he, that he's getting older. I mean, it's it's really not a, an easy one. Uh, I don't. Think. It's not an easy one at all. I think, I guess, the ideal is the kind of the kind of Gabriel Paulista solution where, you know, you pay a decent fee for a player who's probably on the up in terms of their career, not mm-hmm. not, not yet an established star, um, and who can come in, uh, acclimatise to English football, uh, and has room for improvement and could potentially become a first choice, but is also a, a kind of solid squad player. But yeah. I, I appreciate that's a kind of... You know, we talked about the Goldilocks thing on here in the fall, but that's kind of a... There's a lot of different factors in there, and that's not an easy player to name, and I certainly couldn't do that off the top of my head. No, no, it's a, it's a difficult one. But look, you know, I, I, I would welcome a signing, I have to say, that if there was the right player out there who could provide uh, competition, real competition, uh, where the two players like uh, Coquelin and uh, ex-new player, whoever that might be, really compete with each other, the way that players throughout this squad have to compete with each other, uh, mm. as we're seeing in pretty much every other position, then you know I'd be I'd be more than happy to do that. But just from trying to look at it from from the manager's point of view, I don't think it's as easy as people are are suggesting it is. So, 
No, and also the other thing about keeping Arteta around is that, you know, to what extent is that about his positive influence on the squad as well as his playing contribution? Mm, yeah. Um, there was the story, wasn't there, after the FA Cup final about, you know, his his speech to the team and things like that. So I think that that will definitely have been a big factor in Arsenal's thinking as well. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we we shall see. There's still time, obviously. It's, uh, it's early July. Um, we've only just come back to uh, to preseason training. There's the tour uh, to to Singapore, isn't it? Yeah, they're going to Singapore next Indeed. week or the week after. Singapore uh, Select Eleven. Yeah. Facing. So we'll uh, we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens. Um, mm. But you know, I'm I'm taking it pretty easy. I think you know, as it stands, it's uh, it's a pretty competitive squad. But uh, we'll, we'll obviously maybe touch on some of the uh, some of the questions about that in part two. Will we? We will. Okay. We'll take a break. We're right back with your questions after this. This Arsecast Extra is brought to you today by Audible.com, where you can get, I don't know, 180,000 titles in audio format, James. You can get Stephen King there. You can get Game of Thrones. Mm, that's good. It is. Game of Thrones on audiobook. Ah, I've been killed. That's good. Yeah, it's full of spoilers, though. Beware. Yeah, James, think of a think of a subject, any subject in the world. Oh, philosophy. Philosophy. Okay, I'm going to put that in. And in philosophy, if that's your interest, wow! Look at all this philosophy of mind, brains, consciousness, and thinking machines. A history of Western philosophy. The great ideas of philosophy. There's countless philosophy titles on Audible.com. If you'd like a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook download, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash arscast uh, and you, you help out the podcast, the philosophy of this podcast. Exactly. Um, our philosophy needs help. Indeed. Audibletrial.com forward slash arscast. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra, brought to you this week, as you've just heard, by Audible.com. And uh, all your help with our sponsors is greatly appreciated. It, uh, it helps us um, with all kinds of things uh, for surgeries that we'll probably need in the future. Indeed. I've got my cast off my arm, by the way. Oh, yeah. How is it? Is it all withered and gross? Yes, it looks like a kind of... It looks like it's made of twigs. Uh, it's, it's like an unpleasant branch. You know, E.T., it's very much like his arm. Uh, that's disgusting. Thank you. No, that's okay. Did the sun not help? Did some dipping in the sea? Did that Did that help? Somewhat. And I invented a, a one-armed sport called clawball, which was named after my sort of claw-like hand. So, you know, it, it, there's been some good come of it. There's an upside then, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to sell that to America, mm. make myself a millionaire. Yep. Well, look, uh, it's people who make opportunities out of crises. They're the ones that, that, that drive this world, you know. Exactly. All Insurance right. companies. Probably, <laughs> <isn't it? laughs> All right, we've got uh, some questions now uh, that you have sent to us, uh, dear listeners, to uh, Arsblog and Gunnerblog on Twitter with the hashtag ArsCastExtra. The first one comes from Coyote A Aodeli. Sorry about this if I'm pronouncing it wrong. He's at Coyote Alexis 17. So he must be a fan of some guy called Alex who is 17. Mm. Um, and he says, This is my first time sending you a tweet. I hope you read it. I'm an Arsenal fan from Nigeria. James, why do you hate Tim Sherwood? Why do I hate Tim Sherwood? Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, how long have we got on the podcast? Not long. <laughs> okay. Um, I hate him... I mean, there are lots of reasons. His association with Tottenham is obviously a strong one. Mm -hmm. uh, his inarticulacy is a, an issue for me, and I know that... I I'm like the way you nearly stumbled yeah. over that word. That, was, know, that was quite good. Well, I thought I'd got to get it right. Um, I think he's overrated as a manager, but crucially, it's his stupid face. <laughs> That's the true and real reason. Just his face. His stupid face. Mm. Yeah. All right. Afraid so. Well, look, um, I, I think that explains it thoroughly. I think it's fair enough, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, let's have this one. Okay, this one is from uh, KB. That's all I've got. It's at MFWB17. 17 is the big number today. Wow. And he asks, do you think Arteta should be retained as captain for the 2015-16 season now that he has re-signed? 
Well, I don't think it's a, even a question, to be honest. Mm-hmm. He's the club captain. He's going to stay that way. I think it was he saw last season when he was injured, Per Mertesacker captain the side. I think Santi Cazorla captain the side uh, a couple of times as well. Um, I, and I, I just, I don't quite understand why there's such focus on who's going to be the captain um, and who's not. Do you know? I don't. I mean, I think yeah. the, the days of the the Tony Adams style captain are, are kind of gone. Uh, those players are, are very, very rare. Um, and if we have one of those, then then great. But other than that, you know, I think Arsene Wenger always talks about wanting eleven captains, and it's a bit of a cliche. But you know, I think what he means is he wants eleven players to to take responsibility on the pitch. It's not just down to one man to to G up the team. Um, I mean, we've spoken before on this podcast about the influence Arteta has before the cup final. He he got that video together to show some of the new guys, look, this is what this uh, trophy means to Arsenal Football Club. He gave a speech and God damn it, it worked. 4-0 in the cup final. Absolutely. Tim Sherwood's stupid face was looking even more stupid and and unhappy so you you know that's obviously a great thing for you and, and and the rest of us but primarily for you primarily for me yeah um you know and i think that's going to be the situation that even if he's not playing he will be the club captain you've got an on-pitch captain and that'll be down to who's available on the day and um i i don't see the problem with it in the slightest no i actually feel the same and i think that um Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why, you know, in, in terms of chasing that, that that dream of 11 captains, having an on-pitch captain that's probably going to be per Murtaka and an off-pitch captain in, in the form of Mikel Arteta when he doesn't start, mm. seems to me like a good thing. You know, division of responsibility, having more than one figurehead in the dressing room. And you'd like to think that others will emerge. I think Tomasz Rzitski is a guy who's incredibly well thought of and uh, Petr Cech comes from Chelsea with vast experience, a reputation as a leader. So I think that having these kind of, you know, big big tent poles to sort of keep the the dressing room in check um, is a good thing. And I don't think it needs to be one man. I don't think there's any reason to take the armband away from Arteta. Mm. I think if the, uh, the dressing room is in check, then mm-hmm. uh, the former gone. Chelsea man deserves all the wages he gets. Yeah. To be honest, that is taking one for the team. Really is. Um, over to you, I think. Okay, this one comes from Chris at Hello, one Mister underscore W. Right, uh, and uh, he says, uh, given the departure of Podolski, do you see us signing a mean bastard number nine? A mean bastard one. A mean bastard number nine. I think he just means like a good old fashioned cunt buster of a centre forward ruthless by the way I've just remembered that in my sleep I dreamt about doing this podcast uh, and then I woke up and now we're doing it again I've just had a sense of deja vu oh wow I hate when that happens it's weird I mean I really would like to know what deja vu is properly because sometimes it's quite disconcerting isn't it I mean have you seen Inception I have seen Inception and you know the older I get uh, the more I feel that you know this world may not be all we think it is. Really? Yeah. This is quite a big... I mean, I brought up philosophy... Very articulate again, thanks, yeah. Tim. Um, philosophy earlier. But, you know, this would be a big discussion. To, I, I to feel have. that sometimes you, things happen that you, you're kind of going, hang on a minute. This is not right. This is, this, is, this is not right. It's like people or you know, they're respawning in places that they shouldn't respawn or, you know, the graphics department haven't quite fixed the clouds on properly. You know, when you look at some clouds, you go, well, there's some really weird clouds. And it's like, oh, shit, we got a graphics glitch here. Uh, just reboot that one there. You know, things, uh, it, makes, it makes some kind of weird sense. Maybe we're plugged into some big matrix type 
it could all be a computer simulation. I mean, when you think about it, how do you explain where everything came from? How do you explain the the infinite universe? How is that explicable in any way unless we are in some kind of computer simulation and something else is controlling us from the outside? Here's an I example. Thought, I thought you were going to say, uh, unless we go to audible.com and buy all the philosophy books. <laughs> Audible, audibletrial.com forward slash arscast. That's where you yeah. got to go. Um, um, carry anyway, on, here's an example. Uh, yeah, I, in Barcelona, I was walking down to the beach and then... There was a guy busking down at the beach, and then I was walking back from the beach, and the same guy was, like, miles uptown. Now, it's possible he could have just moved from one place to the other, but what if he's a character that respawned where he shouldn't have, and I was the only one who noticed? And I'm noticing these little little glitches in the Matrix. I think think you're right. I think you're ahead of the game. Mm. They'll come for you soon, though. You know too much. Yeah. All right, I better, I better shut up. Anyway, back to this mean bastard number nine. <laughs> Do you see us signing a mean bastard number nine? And a number of people have asked, uh, and apologies that I can't get to the questions, you know, that uh, are we going to sign a striker? Do you think a striker is on Arsene Wenger's shopping list this summer? I mean, it often is. You know, he likes a striker. I think, it, I don't know. I was thinking about this before we started recording. I was like, well, if I test signs this new deal... I'm not absolutely convinced by a holding midfielder. Mm. I, find, I find it very hard to see where anyone's coming in at the back, um, apart from the Petacek situation we mentioned earlier. And, yeah, I, I don't know where there are going to be more additions. Centre-forward is of somewhere where it could happen, but it completely depends on the availability of the players. You know, there's only it's only worth doing if it's an upgrade, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Arsene Wenger spoke at the end of last season about wanting an extra... 15, 10 to 15 goals a season. Um, do you think he's looking at someone like Theo Walcott to provide those goals? Or is he going to look at, okay, who's available on the market who we could bring into this squad and uh, and give us that that bit extra in, in, the, in the games, the tight games um, that, that bring you the extra wins? Well, for a long time, I was convinced that Walcott would leave this summer um, and that subsequently a replacement would have to be sought out. Now it seems... There's been a bit of progress there. He's moving towards staying. And if he does, it'll be a significant investment for the club. You know, he'll want a little pay bump. A helicopter and a private beach. Yeah. Some, you know, a little studio to work on his novels. So I think if, if Walcott sticks around, it's quite hard to see somebody coming in. I think unless a kind of Ozil situation unfolds where... You know, Arsenal didn't necessarily need a number 10 at that point, but a world-class player was put onto the market by a kind of domino effect. I think if a striker of that calibre became attainable, we Mm. would do it. But I don't know how much control we have in allowing those pieces to fall into place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. What what do you think? Uh, I, I, I I really don't know what to think about who we're going to bring in or who we might bring in further. I mean, I don't think you can bring in anybody significant without somebody significant leaving. Right. You know? Like, if you bring in a striker... Sonogo, you mean? <laughs> yeah, well, clearly. Clearly, he's the, he's the man uh, the man with the talent. But, you know, if you do bring in a striker, let's say you bring in a traditional centre-forward, a big, mean bastard, number nine, like... Okay. Uh, like what's his name? Chris is suggesting. Who did he suggest? Are, he didn't suggest anyone in particular. He's just saying, you know, I mean, uh, sorry, right, okay. in, in general. Right, um, okay. But that's going to have an effect on on Giroud and Welbeck. Mm-hmm. So one of them would have to leave. I think to Do make you? space. Well, yeah, I think so, because Welbeck is already behind Giroud in the pecking order. Yeah, and that's that's quite transient. I think that 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 could be good competition if it's just the two of them next season. But three strikers for one position, I don't think it works. Maybe, so I think yeah. I think if something if something significant happens, something uh, somebody's got to go. I think that's well, just the way the squad is at the moment. Possibly, I think the only the only slight caveat to that would say is that. Welbeck obviously has the ability to play wide and there might be room for him to play there from time to time. Mm. Arsene seems to like him there. But 
that's probably not what he wants to do. So, no. Yeah, that is a tricky one. I mean, I think I don't think the signing of Welbeck would prohibit us signing a world-class striker because, you know, well, we bought him last summer. We also bought David Espina last summer. Yeah. And it looks like he's going to be shipped out. So yeah. I think Wenger's proven to prepare. Exactly. He's prepared to do it. You know what's happening right now? I'm turning into Tim Sherwood. No, Tim Sherwood is sitting at the Aston Villa training ground listening to this podcast because obviously he's an Arsenal fan going, now who's got a stupid face? Yeah. Now who's got a stupid face? I'm not denying that I have a stupid face. I think it's probably the fact that he reminds me of my own flaws that uh, that has led to this, you know, antipathy. <laughs> um, just I'm pulling out slightly bigger words just to, uh, you know, demonstrate some sort of distinction between Tim Sherwood and I because I'm worried we're blurring into the same person. I am from Boreham Wood, where he's also from. Oh, wow. We're like brothers who were separated at birth and eventually we'll fight and kill each other um, <laughs> I, I, uh, in a press conference. Well, of course. I mean, that's that's the way brothers deal with with issues. Yeah. It's the whole, Cain, the whole Cain and Abel thing going on here. It's exactly that, Cain and Abel. Harry I Cain and Abel. Harry Cain and, yeah, Abel. Let's, um, striker, I really don't know, to be honest with you. I, like, part of me wonders... Is, is this it? And I don't mean, I'm not going back to your philosophical question about life. Like, I wonder, I, I couldn't guarantee you that there will be more strengthening of the squad. A, a number of people have asked that question as well. Yeah. Could this be it? Are we going to sign any more players? I think we could, but equally, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if we didn't. No. Arsene was very, very publicly, outwardly happy with the squad he had at the back end of last season. Yeah. And I think he'll feel he's improved that by adding Czech. And I basically, last summer, there was a list of positional requirements. We lost a lot of players. Vermaelen left, others went too. And it was very clear we needed to bring in, you know, a goalie, a centre-back, uh, a striker. There were, there were certain things that had mm. to happen. This summer, it just isn't the same. This summer is about, we have a squad that has maybe with the exception of that holding midfield area, definite depth in, in most parts of the pitch. It's all about, can you upgrade on quality? And actually those deals are extremely difficult to do. You need the cards to fall in a certain way, as they did with Ozil and Alexis. Mm. Mm. And so it might be one that we have to sort of wait on slightly and let the, the transfer merry-go-round spin into action. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I think uh, any deal that we do might be, what's the word I'm looking for here? Opportunistic rather than... Exactly. Than, than planned, unless he's got a very definite target. You know, but I, I think if you if you look even at something like um, keeping Thomas Rosicki, do you keep Thomas Rosicki if you're planning on adding that kind of a midfielder to the squad? Mm. I don't think so. So um, so there you go. I think we'll we'll just have to wait and see. But again, I think we could be we could be looking at our, our business being done. Well, that would be popular. Blimey. Let's let's listen. Let's throw in a bit of transfer speculation just to sort of offset that. Okay. You know, because people will be distressed. This has come from uh, Jace Nye at Jazz the Face is his Twitter handle. He says, we've been linked to Barcelona's Pedro recently. In your opinion, is it Ped Yo or Ped No? <laughs> Excellent question. I go for Ped No. Really? I say Ped No. I don't, I don't see it. Yeah. I don't see that happening. E porque? Uh, because, because I just don't see where he would play him if Walcott is going to stay. Yeah. As you say, Wal uh, uh, Welbeck can play in wide areas. He's got Oxlade-Chamberlain who can play wide left and wide right. Uh, he's got Urzel, he's got Alexis. Uh, a push Santi Cazorla. He's used Ramsey and Wilshire in wide positions. I'm not sure that Pedro is necessarily the step up that you would want if you were going to bring in a player in that position, you know? Right. If, if like somebody like Royce becomes available then maybe I think he, he could push the boat out, but not for Pedro. So it's a Ped no from me. What about you? 
I mean, this is one of those stories that seems to have been around for years. He's becoming uh, a bit fray, a bit of a is, trabelsi. He is becoming all a bit trabelsi. Um, no, I don't see it. I kind of feel like it might be an either-or with Walcott, you know. Mm. And, and whenever you see stories like this, I always feel like, is it related to contracting ocean somewhere? I, I don't necessarily see a need for both. So I think if Walcott stays, I can't see... Pedro happening. So, yeah, still no signings. So, back to the despair. All right, then. Here's one from Number One Son at Wesley MCUK, who wants mm-hmm. to know, why do TV companies only employ ex-players, and how would you improve football punditry? Oh, wow. So, well, I mean, just just uh, while, while we're here, and no pressure, fix the entire goddamn industry, please. You've got <laughs> about four minutes. Okay, I'll give it a go. Brainstorm um, it, man. I don't know. They only they only employ ex players. That's true, and I think in other European countries, uh, that's not the case. Journalists, I think, are employed a lot more uh, as television panelists. And the BBC have started doing it on Match of the Day too. You know, Arsenal's own Amy Lawrence has done a few appearances, and a number of other guys. And I do think that adds a bit of colour and depth and experience. Uh, not experience. Sorry, I don't know what that word was going to be. I just. Mess that up. Come on, Tim. Sort this your head is why out here. I, This is why I'm not on television. <laughs> I can't sort out the industry, just me. Um, I've got nothing to contribute. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess they have the players on because they're names, aren't they? It's very much like how Sky, you know, when they signed Thierry Henry, they made such a big fuss of it. But if I'm honest, I don't think he's great value in the studio. Mm. I don't think he's particularly insightful. Um, uh, yeah. So there you go. I, I don't know how I would change it from a sensible point of view. Like I, I think, I think maybe getting a few more journalists in there could be a good thing, just because they provide a different perspective, a different balance. But I think the vast majority of people do want to hear from people who've played the game, um, because of that experience they've had. I don't know. What do you think? Really difficult one. I think you've got to gauge the the intelligence of the people that you're. You're asking to commentate and and uh, and talk about the game. You know, anyone can go on and be stupid. Lots of people go on and be stupid. You know, mm. it's easy uh, to be controversial. You know, that's mm. a piece of piss. Anybody can just go against what the convention is or what the norm is. But if you can argue that point well, even if you disagree with it, then you've got something that's worth talking about or worth discussing, you know? But if you're being disagreeable just for the sake of being disagreeable or if you're saying things just to get a rise out of people or just to create some headlines or some some comments, then I think you're not doing anybody any service whatsoever. Uh, and unfortunately, the desire for ratings, the desire for clicks, the desire for uh, people to buy papers and all that kind of stuff means that when you put people in those positions, they're sort of not forced into it, but um, it becomes an easy way of generating that kind of stuff. Simple example, uh, away from TV and what have you, there's one particularly scurrilous website that posts all kinds of complete bollocks about, uh, about football and transfers, um, whereby they pay people to write for them once their story gets a certain amount of page views. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, they, they obviously have some staff members as well, but people that they might you know get in to do columns, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, that if the column gets above a certain amount of page views, they get some money. So how do you do that? Do you do that by being sensible and writing sensible things? that most people will agree with? Or do you do it by creating a bullshit headline on top of a wanky story with a whole lot of bollocks in the middle? You know, so it's the industry itself that that has a a problem also. You know, I think there was... um, I don't think it would be even as big an issue if Sky hadn't found someone like Gary Neville, who I don't agree with, you know, all the time, but who has, in fairness, taken things forward a bit. And can make his points and at least argues his points well and and, uh, and gives a different kind of perspective on things, unless, of course, he's talking about an England player, in which case he can't really criticise him because of the, the duality of, of his work. Mm, mm. You know, but for the most part, we've become inured to the tedious, cliched sort of commentary that we get 
from all the TV channels all the time. And now we've had something a bit different. There's a there's an appetite for it. But it's down to the it's down to the TV companies and the executives to say, well, this guy, you know, wants to be a TV pundit. This ex player here, we'll call him Bill Greville, for example. Okay. He wants to be a TV pundit. Let's let's interview him. Let's talk to him about uh, the job. Let's listen to him in a test environment. Like there could be another one like Schmeichel Gowen. Yeah. And you could say, well, let's let's put him behind a microphone, do some test games. Is what he's saying interesting? Is it relevant? Is it entertaining? Or is it boring, run-of-the-mill, same old bullshit shite that any wanker down the pub could come out with? Does he make a judgment on an incident in a game and then when the replay shows that he's wrong, does he change his mind or does he double down and talk about stuff, uh, talk about the same thing? You know, it's, it's that kind of stuff that the TV companies obviously aren't interested in people who are good at the job or what we consider the job to be. Do you know? They, well, they just, don't care. They're motivated by the name, presumably. Yeah. But why would, uh, you know, it's it's just, it's annoying because there must be, and there are, um, ex-players out there who are erudite, articulate, intelligent, can speak well about the game, but for the most part, they're not the ones who are in the in the prime positions on television, on radio, and in the papers. And I think you have to ask why. We're asking why, guys. Yeah. I think you've, I think you've sorted that. All right, well, there you go then. TV companies come, come. I'll, I'll be a consultant and all that kind of stuff. Okay, great. Consultant, good me. job. Um, time for one more. Yeah. Okay. I think I know how you'll answer this. Sometimes I ask you things that I know what you'll say, but I just sometimes want to hear it. Right. So this is from Matt Corbett, Matt G Corbett on Twitter, and he asks for you, who takes the number nine shirt, and do you believe in the curse? I do not believe in the curse. There is no curse. Well, you say that, Andrew. I know. How do you explain what's gone on? What's our last number nine? Podolsky? Park. Park. (laughs) Um, It goes way back. Jeffers? Jeffers, Davosukare. There are more. There are definitely... Julio Baptista. Right. Jose Antonio Reyes. Okay, Raya. So you know, I, yeah, it didn't it didn't quite work out for him. But you know, there's a very simple solution to this alleged number nine curse. Go on, give the number nine to a really good player. Pass a check. <laughs> that will be the curse of the nine lifted well and truly. Yeah, check yeah. nine. Um, I mean, do you think... I mean, it's a good squad number at most clubs. At clubs without a curse, I'd say it's actively coveted. Mm, it is. It's like the traditional centre-forward number. You know, I was never a number nine. Never. No. Six was my favourite number. Six or four. Good numbers. Yeah, centre-half numbers. You know. But Arsenal, because of the air and Fabregas, I associate four with midfielders. That's curiously. true. That's true. Um... um so, so do you think someone will be after that number nine shirt? Um, I'm just looking at the... Let me look at the squad and just see, is there anybody who would move number? Uh, obviously, Bentner, if he was still with us, he, he could take the nine. Yeah, of course. But, waiting for him. Um, boom, boom, boom. Just looking at the forwards. I mean, Welbeck probably wouldn't take it because he's happy. And Well, ah, clearly, clearly Joel Campbell. Joel Campbell, nine. That's it. Campbell, nine. That's I it. Think. I'll get that on the That's it, and that would that would certainly break the curse because you know he's he's definitely not a really average player or anything. Wellington nine, Wellington nine, Wellington nine. You know, I think it's open there for a signing, for the signing we're not going to make. Yeah, the imaginary signing. Mm. Keep it spare. Yeah, keep the speculation running on. Mm. Um. You don't think Giroud would shift from twelve? He seems quite happy at twelve. Yeah, he? he's happy at twelve. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't see any change there. Um. So. So yeah. We'll see. It's open. There's a space in the squad for a number nine. Maybe. 
A mean bastard. Mean bastard there. nine. That's who we, you know, that's who we've got to sign. Mean bastard nine. Okay. All right, final one for me. Uh, this comes from Tobias Bester. He's at Gunnerlicious TB. I don't know if that means he's got tuberculosis <laughs> or not. He's, he's I, got a Gunnerlicious version of TB. I, I really hope not, because that's, that's, that's bad shit, man. But anyway, uh, he says, uh, on the topic of Podolsky leaving... Would you rather have bananas for fingers or sweat ants? <laughs> um, that is... It's quite hard. the leap. Yeah, that is quite the leap, but I can see where he's going. I think um, I'd rather have... What happens if I eat the bananas? Are they gone forever? I don't know, but I, I'm a nail biter. I have been known to bite my nails and a bit of the skin around the nails and stuff, so if I had bananas for fingers... I think I'd find myself far too delicious. But sweating ants, though. I mean, if you're sweating ah, sweat... But, but would your banana fingers, they would be in the banana peel. Exactly. So you'd have to peel your own finger to get to the good bit, which would be essentially like peeling your finger now, so you wouldn't do that. I think you'd be protected by the skin, the banana skin. Mm. So I, I think I would go for those. They'd be cumbersome. I think my piano playing days would be behind me. Yeah, Although with a wrist injury, that may be the case anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but I think sweating ants. You know, if you, you know if you if you're sweat, it's a very hot day. It's been very hot in London recently. Yeah, uh, you get that sensation of a, a bead of sweat. You know, rolling down your, your back or whatever. Imagine if rather than a mere drop of water, that was literally an ant crawling over you, or several ants, hundreds of ants, okay, uh, emerging from your skin. I just don't think that's tenable. Well, what if you could control the ants as your own personal ant army to go and do ant damage to people that you didn't like? For example, Tim Sherwood. Even so, I'd rather keep them in a box than in my sweat glands. Mm. I know that's not an option you're presenting me with, but I'd rather punch Tim with my banana hand than unleash my ant sweat at him. All right. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I understand that one. All the big philosophical questions dealt with today. Yeah. Yeah. Life, the universe, and sweat. Doesn't doesn't get much uh, more important than that. Nope. All right. Uh, okay. Well, look, we're going to leave it there for uh, this week's Arscast Extra. Thank you very much indeed for listening. As always, thank you uh, for the questions that you sent to us. Uh, sorry we can't get to them all, uh, but there's just, there's just way too many. But we do read them and uh, appreciate them very much indeed. So we'll catch you on the next one. Yeah, cheers, guys. Bye-bye. Even your bye-bye was Tim Sherwoody. I know. I've become him. He's, he's, he is my destiny. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.